Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Steven Morales from Tampa, Florida. He's going to share how uh, the tactics and strategies he used to once lock up 17 deals in five days and more than 30 deals in one month. Kind of crazy, crazy numbers. Mm -hmm. If this is your first time tuning in, I am Steve Trang, founder of the OfferFast Homes app, the only MLS for off-market wholesale properties, and I help entrepreneurs create businesses that support their family, lifestyle, and goals through mentorship. I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires. Um, I get asked all the time how I'm able to get so much done, how I stay focused and motivated. So I'm going to be doing a little mini series on how to get more done in less time. If you want to join me on the Zoom calls and productivity, please go to disruptors.com slash time, uh, T-I-M-E. I'm not selling anything there. This is all free. If you're excited for today's show, please give me a wave, give me a thumbs up. And as a friendly reminder, I do not charge a dime for the show. Don't make any money doing this. So here's all I ask. This is what it costs for you to listen to the show. If you get value today, please tell a friend. You can share this episode right now, tag a friend below, or tell me about takeaway later on. That way we can all grow together. And this is a live show. So please ask your questions for Steven to answer. You ready? I'm ready. All right. First question, the softball is what got you into real estate? Man, what got me into real estate? Let me tell you, when I, when I first started, you know, I was working four jobs and I was tired of living paycheck to paycheck. I was going through actually some tough times in my life, uh, you know, divorce, raising a kid. So I was working four jobs, uh, a grocery store, uh, a dishwasher, a bar back, and a gas station attendant. I'm like, this can't be my life. Is like, that what you were placed on this planet for? It's like, why am I doing this? This is not my purpose. How long am I be stuck here? You know, I, I tried the college thing. My very last class in college was actually a business class, and the professor didn't own a business himself. So I'm like, I don't know if this is for me, right? Yeah. Um, but during the bar back, uh, you know, job, I actually met a lot of, um, you know, uh, wealthy individuals. This one guy re really uh, caught my attention. I'm a big car guy. Uh, traveling cars all that stuff and this guy came in a different car every time and he, you know he's like hey I do sales and real estate investing I'm like what is what is uh, I've done sales before at that time I was also doing door to door but he said he was doing real estate investing at the time I didn't know anything about real estate investing I thought you needed a lot of money and I kind of researched it when I got home and I came across wholesaling you know it's like you really just put the you're flipping paper you're not mm -hmm. flipping the actual house so um, I have a strong sales background. I'm like, this is something I could probably do. I took a jab at it. When was this that this is all going down? 2015. Yeah, so 2015. Yeah. So just to put context, you know, just five years ago, not mm -hmm. that long ago. Seems like for a long time ago. Yeah. But not that really long time ago. So you're working four jobs. Yeah. Like, what were your hours like? So during the day, uh, during the week, during the day was the grocery store, right? Uh, at night during the week was the dishwasher during the day on Saturdays and Sundays was the gas station attendant and at night during the weekends was the bar back so wow um, I dropped one of those got back into door-to-door -door. you know having four jobs is, is, is tough and you know people first starting out I don't care what kind of situation they're going through there's like no excuses if you want to make something happen you can make it happen yeah. regardless of your circumstances so so you check out this car this real estate things like ah, that mm -hmm. might work well what'd you do next I, the first thing is I went to YouTube, uh, real estate investing. I came across a lot of wholesale videos. I didn't really know what wholesaling real estate at the time was, but I, I quickly realized like all you really got to do is find a motivated seller, you know, put under contract and, you know, find a buyer and just yeah. assign and That's pretty much it. So, so you remember who you were watching back then? I didn't even know who was, who was man, posting you videos know back what? then. The, was one, of the, one of the first names I came across was actually uh, Cody, <clears throat> Cody Sperber, clever investor. Gotcha. He was big on Periscope and I actually, um, oh, yeah. I, I learned a lot of free stuff through him in YouTube. Yeah. So. All right. So you're learning stuff. What will happen next? Um, so what happened next, actually, I think th there was a contest uh, uh, on a YouTube channel and whoever put the best comment in, I think it was actually one of clever investors videos. Somebody posted a check and whoever put in the best comment. Uh, got like a free course just mm -hmm. the basic stuff right so I poured my heart and soul into that comment I ended up winning cool. when I found out I was the winner I was actually working at the grocery store I'm like holy cow I won my first course and at the time I didn't have much money it was a big thing for me and I'm like what can I do with this course it gives you the basic stuff and you know even though a course is great there's a lot of great education out there but if you don't have the right guidance or you're not around the right people that are actually doing stuff that you want to do it could take you a long time yeah. so I didn't know what I was doing or it's a wholesale house I didn't know anything about marketing anything about you know uh, 
anything. Really, I didn't know what I didn't know. And it actually took me eight months to get my very first deal. Right. And I didn't know, I didn't have like a fancy CRM. I didn't know anything about cold calling, direct mail. I just kind of drove around for dollars. My first drive for dollars um, lead was, was a deal and it was a $7,000 deal. You know, that that's a long story. So let's talk, um, about, <clears throat> let's talk about that, right? So 7,000 your first yeah. deal. That was driving for dollars, mm -hmm. right? So you're driving around, you find it. What'd you do? I mean, cause driving for dollars is not a new concept, right? Right. But driving for dollars is not enough. Mm -hmm. Like you drove, you identify the house, then what did you do? So what I did next was actually, my brother and I were driving around for dollars, right? And then it was a vacant distressed property. I went to the local tax records. I looked up the mailing address. We hand wrote letters to these distressed homeowners or distressed properties homeowners. Hey, came across your house, you'd like an offer. We wrote hundreds of them, like hand wrote them because I couldn't afford direct mail and all that stuff. I was trying to be resourceful. And this guy ended up calling us back. And um, I was using Zillow at the time for comps. I didn't know what MLS was. I didn't have prop stream or anything crazy. Yeah. And uh, he actually ended up accepting our offer. And the funny thing is that, you know, I was so excited. Hey, I got my first deal. It's under contract. Um, I assigned it to somebody I met at a local RIA. They didn't have any real estate experience either. Okay, so this was the person that um, they bought it, but they didn't really know what they were doing as well. So, you know, the funny thing is um, I actually assigned it to this buyer and before it closed, they actually started renovating the property. <laughs> and I'm like, that doesn't seem right. I, I know I don't know much about wholesaling, but that, that doesn't seem right to me. So the, the homeowner calls me like yelling, yo, what's up with this? The floors are gone. This and that. I'm like, what do you mean your floors are gone? Yeah, you guys started flipping. I'm like, oh my God, I had to make a prayer because <laughs> I was I was sweating bullets. I didn't have an LLC at the time. Right. And even though I encourage people to get an LLC, you don't need one, it's not mandatory, but I, I didn't know what I was doing, right? Thankfully, uh, the house was vacant. Um, I told the homeowner, hey, look, like this is my partner. They're going to be taking over. I'm assigning to them. Everything cooled down. But it was a huge learning experience to really vet who you're doing business with. And yeah. I'm still really good friends with that person until today. They're doing great things. But yeah, it was but a rough that's first something deal. That, I mean, people don't talk a lot about, right? Like they talk about how yeah. to find deals. Like right now, sourcing deals is like the cool thing, right? Everyone's talking mm -hmm. about how to find deals, process and so on. But we don't talk a lot about the challenges. Like having a buyer that you wholesale the deal to that hasn't closed yet, that starts working on the property, that can cause a lot of legal yeah. problems. Yeah. yeah, I was afraid I was gonna lose everything when I barely had anything, you know? <laughs> so it was a learning experience for sure. So you got that deal closed. Mm -hmm. Okay, what'd you do after that? $7,000 deal. Um, you know, we, we kind of figured more about Podio and, you know, some other marketing methods and stuff like that. I got binverified.com. I didn't know about it at the time until after I closed the deal. Started networking more. Something that really changed um, the game for me was when I started surrounding myself with the right people, mm -hmm. you know, because the people at my four jobs, they just wanted to do things. We weren't heading the, in the right direction. So when I went to these RIAs, I started rubbing shoulders with people that are actually doing big things learned a lot of new things. Um, and you know, for those of you guys doing business with family, you know, just make sure everything's clear up front. Um, you know, I was doing business with family in the beginning and the business just kind of fell apart and I had to start all the way from ground zero again, you know, keep in mind I was going through some tough times in my life and the business that I got one deal, uh, it fell apart, you know, so mm -hmm. I was back to where I started. Well, let's talk about that because I think <clears throat> that's a really good point, right? You know, mm -hmm. I, I tell people all the time, you know, don't do partnerships. Right, and, yeah. and that's hypocritical because I have a partnership, right? Yeah. Um, but I always say, if you don't do partnerships, but if you're gonna do a partnership, get a really good prenup, which is an operating agreement. Yeah. Right. So if you're gonna if you're gonna assist in getting a partner, then have a really strong operating agreement drafted by an attorney that knows what he's doing, so everyone knows what happens in the event of a divorce. Yeah. So let's talk about your incident with with family. Yeah. So you know, it's just um, it didn't work out, and not nothing too personal or anything, but basically when we, we parted ways, I knew I had really good sales experience. So for those of you that don't know me, I have really strong sales experience from multi-level marketing to door-to-door -to, -door to phone sales, right? Cold calling around the country, high net worth individuals trying to sell them stock information, kind of like illegal Wolf of Wall Street. And I learned a lot through that. So, you know, but I was still working the four jobs. I, I thought I could be a little bit more secure doing the nine to five thing, but it wasn't, it didn't fill my cup. It wasn't for me. So after business fell apart, I, I didn't give up. You know, I actually went to another local meetup and I came across uh, my very first mentor there. 
he was looking for something called um, you know acquisitions manager going appointment stuff like that and I didn't know too much about what acquisitions was I just knew that I was really good at sales in 2015 no one really did yeah I was <laughs> <laughs> I was really good at sales so I told him I, I want to try it out I would go on appointments he kind of took me under his wing I learned mm -hmm. everything and then um, I, I just you know throughout the whole time I was going through like you know I don't wish a, a divorce upon anybody, but there's a lot of like uh, bills that go into that, legal's attorney's fee, stuff like that. So I was just trying to, um, you know, use my skill set to fit in a good company that provided me some great opportunity to make some great money, you know? Yeah. So I, I really excelled at the acquisitions position. I jumped between a few companies and, um, you know, I just kept rolling. I just kept gotcha. rolling. So we were in the closest Olympics. Yeah. Right. You want to talk about that experience? Oh, the Closers Olympics. That was such a great event. Shout out to all the guys that put it together. And, you know, a lot of people say there's a lot of controversy. It wasn't perfect, but it was such a great idea that they came up with yeah. because nobody out there is putting some of the best in the country doing live calls. Right. Like some people, they do they record their calls on the social media and all that stuff. You see what happens after. You don't mm -hmm. see what happens during. But to be put on the spot, live. like live calls, and I was really excited. I got the call. I'm like, I'm all in. I want to mm. be the first one up. I just want to be the first one up because I like send the tone. And, you know, we're in 2020. And the past five years, I've closed deals, you know, in person, on stage, over the phone. So for me, it wasn't, you know, I didn't feel pressure. I was more excited. And I kind of just like actually had fun throughout the process. I was actually kind of um, doing the commentary for the the judges while I was on the call. I was like, this is what's going to happen. And this is going to happen. And it happened. So right. I had a great time. It was a great learning experience, not only for myself, but, you know, to provide relief for co uh, families affected by COVID-19. And just for the audience to pick up nuggets from, you know, all these closers. They can take bits and pieces from everybody. Yeah. I think, you know, it was uh, Elijah, Keith, Quentin, Aaron, they did a great mm -hmm. job. And Jen and uh, Annalise and... Um, yeah and uh andrea so there's and, and many more they all they all did a great job i think it was obvious to everyone that watched though like you know you and i were the two best right <laughs> i think it was obvious to everybody. something i took away from you was the cliffhanger uh voicemail yeah and i love how you start off the conversation negative i mean everybody has their own flavor their own style yeah. and it, everybody's making it work but you were the most patient person not only closed olympics that i've probably met you know in a long time yeah especially with the guy that was like throwing the f-bombs at you <laughs> you were just kept your composure you kept cool so yeah. it, it was really really cool to watch yeah it was great and you know I, I think looking at going into it you know i was looking around i was like well who are the favorites like well steven's probably number one and i think that one of the things and rj surprised the hell out of all of us oh yeah uh, i think one of the big things was you kind of saw we're all closers we've all done deals we've all done lots of deals mm. But not a lot of us have done deals in the spotlight. And that was like, that was kind of like the X factor to see how this goes. And you totally blew me away. Like you were totally calm and collected like you've done it on stage before. Hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so at some point along the way um, in your career, hmm. you got 17 deals in five days. I don't know a lot of people that have done that, right? And marketing aside, what I really care about is what do you do as far as like pre-call, during the call, whatever, like what are the things that you're trying to do to make sure you maximize the opportunity for each and every call? Yeah, something that I have the mentality of, I rather call somebody too much and mm -hmm. lose a deal than call too little and lose a, lose a deal. So what I notice is I'm like, dang, you know, 70 contracts, five days, like I impressed myself. I'm like, what, what did I do differently? And really the, the key is relentless follow-up and time commitment from homeowners. Cause a lot of times investors were like, you know, the seller says, hey, call me tomorrow. You know, the investor calls them the next day, no answer. But what I realized what I did is I started getting a time commitment out of somebody. Mm -hmm. I said, hey, um, what's a good time I can call you tomorrow? Oh, just call me tomorrow. You know, do you have a specific time? No, just call me tomorrow. Do you prefer the mornings, afternoons? Call me in the mornings. Okay, I'll call you at 9 a.m. I assume like that's okay. And they said, okay, great. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, a lot of people don't realize, and I, I've, I learned a lot of this from door to door, phone sales, all that stuff, is when you make uh, the homeowner make their own time commitment psychologically, they are gonna be a lot more responsive when you call them back. Yeah. So when I say, hey, what's a good time to call you tomorrow? Oh, call me at nine, okay, great, I'll call you at nine. Mm -hmm. Now you're gonna get some sellers that they tell you call me at nine, they don't pick up the phone, what do you do? So what I do is I call them three times for two consecutive days, and it looks yeah. something like this. I call, let's say Mr. Smith says, hey, call me tomorrow at nine. I call at nine o'clock, they don't answer. I will 
uh, call them, obviously. Uh, they'll see a missed call. I will leave a voicemail and I will text them. Mm -hmm. Only the first initial phone call per day. Okay, so I call, leave a voicemail and text at nine. I call them again at 12 or I call them between five and six. Most of the time I do those different um, angles because people are either going home or you know leaving to work, right? So right. I'm more likely to pick somebody up within three times a day. I do that for two consecutive days. Um, if they still don't answer, I use a Google Voice, I use the office line, whatever I gotta do. A lot of homeowners, like if they will see your phone number, they will get to a point where they're just gonna start ignoring it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this guy again. I, I, they just try to brush you to the side. The funny thing is when you get them on the line, like, I'm not the type of guy that says, hey, Mr. Smith, how are you? Like, in reality, <laughs> a lot of people, when they call each other, they say, how you doing? Like, yeah. in sales, how you doing today? a lot of those prospects don't, don't really care how you're doing. So I just say, hey, mm -hmm. Mr. Smith, hey, uh, this is Steven. I know I've been blowing you up. Hey, listen, if you don't wanna sell, I can completely understand. Otherwise, if you'd like to get an offer and move forward, I'd love to see how we can help you out. Yeah. Okay, and they almost get embarrassed because like, dang, he caught me. Mm -hmm. um, but keep in mind, like, you guys have to have the mentality like, you have to be willing to lose a deal by calling too much rather than too little. Well, and you brushed over that really quickly, mm -hmm. and I want to really emphasize that point. You're really the kind of person that feels like you're gonna be bothering somebody, you're gonna have a really tough time with this business. Mm -hmm. um, as a mentor, yeah. uh, every time I've heard that, I mean, I've started giving up on people, and this is terrible, but if someone says like, I don't want to bother them, and I tell them that's what you have to do. It's like, but it feels really uncomfortable. It's like you're dead to me. Like every oh, additional energy spent here, and that sounds really horrible, but that's just experience. You gotta, like you gotta be, you gotta, you know, tell the truth though. Like yeah. in this business, even starting out, or you're maybe uh, um, been in it for a few months. Like rejection is something, whether you're brand new or experienced, you're gonna come across. Oh yeah. The thing is, like, are you going to accept it? and let it roll off your back, or are you gonna take it personal and run away? Mm -hmm. You know, no matter what company you're in business you're working with, sales is key for any company, and rejection just comes with sales. Right. So the more no's you get, you closer to her yes. And I never get offended. Like, I can talk to anybody on the phone. If they reject me, they say, no, I don't take it personal. Right. They don't understand the business. It's not me. I'm, I'm a nice guy to them, but. They're not they, rejecting Steven. They're rejecting the, the, the process. Yeah, that's the way my mindset is, that they say, hey, you're a scam, this or that, it's okay. Mm -hmm. There's somebody out there that wants to sell that I can speak with. I don't have to spend time on somebody that doesn't believe in it. So. Yeah, awesome. Okay, what else are you doing? You know, pre-call, during the call, whatever, to 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 hit that hot streak. Yeah. So follow up relentlessly is a big thing. Um, you know, a lot of times when people don't answer the phones, and even if you call from different numbers, you got to get creative. You know, mm -hmm. if you're in the market or you have boots on the ground in that market, put a sticker note on their door, send them an Amazon gift card to their mailing address. Like you gotta, one time we sent a pizza to this guy in the hospital, yeah. and uh, you just gotta get super creative. Um, but the biggest thing for me was really the time commitment, you know, getting an exact time, and really calling at least three times a day. You know, when, when this all started, Steve, was there was um, a, huge, a huge land deal in Tampa, right? And right across, there was like some townhome development and that company bought that land $100,000 more than what this guy was asking. He said, hey, call me next month. I'm like, all right, I'll call you next month. I was super excited, $100,000 deal, easy. I called him next month and he sold to somebody else. Yeah. And I'm like, I called this guy exactly when you want me to call him. Here's another big tip is if anybody ever tells you Call me in two weeks, call me in a month. You guys have to slash that time in half. Right. Worst case scenario, they're gonna be like, hey, I told you call me in, in two weeks. Oh, no problem, just want to check in with you because situations may change, I'll call you in a week, all right? Yeah. If I would've called this guy in two weeks and checked in, he probably wouldn't have sold it to other guy, and worst thing they can say is no. Right. Like, people also have to accept the fact that the worst thing somebody can say to you is I don't wanna sell my house, and you move on to the next lead. So I had that mentality, now I'm gonna start slashing all these times in half. If they say call in two weeks, that means a week, right? If mm -hmm. they say call in a month, that means two weeks. Yep. Now if they say call me tomorrow, don't call them the same day, but <laughs> if it's beyond a week, I slash that time in half, and I always you know, make sure I don't lose that deal. So. Yeah. So was there anything you did on the phone? You know, mm -hmm. like do you have any uh, is there anything you, you do that you think differently than most call callers? Because like everyone calls, right? Yeah. Uh, and we all pretty much use most of the same scripts. Well, a few of them are different. Is there anything that you think you do differently on the call to separate yourself? Something that I love doing 
is, you know, a lot of people ask, hey, at what point should I build rapport, this or that? Something that I love to do is that in the beginning of the conversation is I like building rapport. And mm -hmm. I don't even have to try it. Anybody that's new or advanced doesn't really have to try. So what I like to do is basically, if Mr. Smith calls in and asks me, I please have the address of the property, 123 Main Street. I copy and paste that address onto Google, or if depending what CRM you're using, it's gonna show there. And I name a nearby street or landmark. Mm -hmm. So let's say 123 Main Street is next to the Buck Stadium in Tampa. Hey, hey, Mr. Smith, isn't that next to the Buck Stadium? Oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah, they just signed, you know, Tom Brady, Gronkowski, mm -hmm. are you a football fan? Something so small like that, if you have recorded calls and you listen to them, you're almost gonna sound the homeowner get a lot excited about mm -hmm. it, just simply because you find some common ground. Yeah. So. The way I build rapport is I find common ground by naming a nearby street or landmark, okay? If there's no landmarks, find a nearby street. But now you can relate to that person. And yeah. that's going to open the door to talk about football, to talk about, you know, if you see a museum, a church, a school, name that. And that'll just going to open the door. Now, every conversation is different. You don't want to drag the whole 30 minutes about the bucks and all that stuff. You always want to redirect them back. So I'm like, I was going to ask you, how yeah. long, how much time are you spending in that in that time o only a couple minutes because some people that make the mistake of you know building a poor for like 15 minutes and the person has something to do or they have somewhere to go so i like to redirect them back to the questions i've answered every conversation is different every homeowner is not going to be the same so i build a rapport and say hey anyways can you tell me a little bit more about the property how many bedrooms bathrooms condition i let them vent and vent and vent but i love building that rapport in the beginning my approach uh for those of you guys who watch the closers olympics i'm very systematic uh, but I'm just myself. Mm -hmm. I will never pretend to be somebody I'm not. I'm always, even though I want to get these questions answered, I will always be myself, and I will always redirect them back to, all right, this is the questions I need to answer in order to, you know, make an offer. Right. And so, what's your opener, like when you talk to somebody, when you introduce yourself, introduce yourself on the call? What does that sound like? If somebody's calling in, I say, hey, this is Stephen. How can I help you? Yeah. You know, some people. Um, not to say it doesn't work, but some people won't care about your company name. Some people won't know my company name until I send them the contract. Yeah. So I, I find it a little bit more effective when I have that mom and you know mom and pop approach. This is Stephen. How can I help you? Hey, Stephen, I got this postcard in the mail. What is it about? Oh yeah, the reason you got that is because we must have bought a property nearby. Were you interested in selling? Mm -hmm. Once they say yes, then you tell them about the process. And Steve, something real quick I'll tell you is that. Um, something that I also do a little bit differently than most people is I love setting the expectations up front. Like I let them know, hey, uh, the way it works, our process is very simple. What I'm going to do is just ask you some basic questions about the property. That way I can go and evaluate the, uh, the property right over the computer. Yep. It takes about seven minutes. Does that make sense? So right off the bat, they know that I don't have to go on the appointment. Mm -hmm. It's all done over the computer and it takes about seven minutes. Yeah. Because if you call somebody or they call you, and they're busy picking up their kids at the grocery store, wherever, and they're, they don't even have seven minutes, they're not going to be engaged with you. So you got to right. let them know it's over the phone and it takes seven minutes right off the bat. So are you doing more inbound or outbound? More outbound. I, I find outbound's really crushing right now. We have a few cold callers mm -hmm. and they're putting in leads and, um, you know, it's going, it's going really good. So we have your outbound. Um, they're warming people up and then you guys go and call them. Yeah, they want right. to cold call the, the list we pull. Um, they want to make sure they're interested. A lot of people think that people that say, well, I'm not really looking to sell, just want to see what my house is worth. That's not somebody that's an interested lead. There's going to be people that say, I'm not really looking to sell unless I get the right price. Mm -hmm. You don't know what the right price is. You don't know what their motivation is unless you go through the script. So I train the cold callers to submit those leads in the CRM. Gotcha. Okay, so a couple of process questions that we I hear all the time, right? So cold caller calls warms them up. All right, so Steven, this is a lead. At this point, are you closing on the second call or is there a third call? So as soon as they get somebody interested and they submit it in the CRM, the acquisition specialist will actually call them mm -hmm. and say, hey, I believe you spoke with my assistant, you know, John, in regards to your property. Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay, great. Did I catch it a good time? Mm -hmm. Great. Um, well, hey, great news is I'd love to make you an offer. There's a few qu few more questions I wanted to ask you. Did I catch a good time? You want to make sure you caught them at a good time. Mm -hmm. But the most key thing is anytime somebody in acquisitions is calling a lead back that came in from a cold call, homeowners hate repeating themselves. 
Like if you start off like it's a brand new lead, they'll be like, I just told your assistant all this stuff. Why do I have to repeat myself, right? right. So I say, hey, is it okay if I ask you a few more questions about the property? I see here uh, Johnny puts a 3 2 1200 square feet fair condition. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about this or that? So acknowledge the notes the cold caller put in there, the virtual assistant, and ask, is it okay if I ask, ask you a few more questions? Yeah. That way it just starts it off positive and lets people know, hey, I, I saw the information you put in there. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly because we had to make changes too. What we like to add is, um, you know, uh, I, I understand you already talked to Steven, mm. but what I found is it's better if I get the information from you directly, can I ask you some more questions about it. And they're like, yeah, I, okay, if it's better, if, I, if you ask the questions again, then let's do it. Yeah. But just explaining that process goes a long way because if you don't, like you said, they get like, well, I'm tired of wasting my time mad. you guys are not professional they get and mad yeah they're like <laughs> i just literally told your assistant everything you're about to ask me yeah. so that little tweet can ask you a few more questions acknowledge the notes it goes a long way yeah that's awesome okay so the acquisition person then they're trying to close it on that call yes gotcha okay and another thing we're talking about on the show is virtual right like you're really big on virtual you want to talk about that yeah i mean I will only go on an appointment unless I actually plan on renovating the property, mm -hmm. which, you know, that that's whole story. I actually did my first flip last year, made zero dollars, and now I have a few flips that are profitable. Um, so I won't go on the appointment unless I'm planning on flipping the property myself. There's gonna be homeowners that, you know, they need face-to-face. -face. The thing is, you need boots on the ground. I usually like to have agents go on those appointments for me, mm -hmm. and I give them a good cut, uh, whether it's an investment lead that they need to negotiate, I give them 10%. If it's a signature, I'll give them 3% of the assignment fee. Uh, but I like to give them enough where they're motivated to actually go on these appointments. But everything, you know, especially through the COVID-19 situation, like some people went out of business, some people just stopped. Some big companies that relied on face-to-face -face just stopped. Mm -hmm. um, so having the skill of locking up somebody over the phone, asking the right questions, building rapport is super key, you know? All right. So do you want to talk about, because you said you've gone face-to-face -to -face too. Yeah. Right, so uh, I can tell you, like uh, as our organization, you know, our targeted wholesale fee is fifteen thousand, mm. and we're typically around fourteen, uh, maybe high thirteens. But once COVID hit, everything's over the phone. It got closer to eleven, right? So we saw a two thousand dollar per deal difference, uh, going from belly to belly, to to virtual. So you want to talk about your experience to, between belly to belly, and virtual? Do you guys track what the difference is? Yeah, I mean, over ninety percent of the deals that I lock up and close are all done virtually. Um, what I usually find is that, you know, when it comes to really analytical people, that no matter how much you give them, even if that's what they're asking for, they need to meet face to face. They need yeah. to review the agreement, right? Um, some elderly people, you know, um, they need face to face. Sometimes we have people that agree on a price and they're ready to go. They just may not have a computer, internet access. So we send an agent to go on those and, you know, get it locked up. Yeah. So, but I try to capitalize on every opportunity, whether, you know, um, if they're okay with doing virtual, I'll get it signed. I have to walk through DocuSign or whatever. But if they need to meet face to face and they want too much, we try to get the listing. So I, I'm the type of guy that even though they want full market value, but they're motivated, that's not a lead I'm just going to toss away. Mm -hmm. I always want to refer those leads to agents as well. So let's talk about that. You're licensed? I'm not. Who is going? Uh, I, I connect some agents to my city, so. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Tampa, or, or I guess what markets are you even in? Tampa. So right now we're in Tampa. Um, we're also doing some commercial in you know, Virginia, North mm -hmm. Carolina, Texas, Georgia. Yeah. But I love Tampa. I've lived in Tampa for a long time. I actually was born in Puerto Rico, moved to Tampa when I was five, didn't know any English. Now I speak Spanglish, uh, but I've seen Tampa just grow. Right. And I've, I've you know, nurtured and developed a lot of great relationships in Tampa. Gotcha. Okay. So if it's retail, you're sending an agent. Yeah. Gotcha. Exactly. Okay. Um, anything else? Any 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 big uh, tips you want to uh, for these guys that are trying to do virtual? Like uh, any any like one like one or two like you guys make sure you're doing this when you're calling people to lock up deals over the phone. Oh, my biggest thing when locking up deals over the phone, and this is something that some people will take for granted. Maybe they they don't want to mix it up, but this is just what's worked for me to skyrocket my conversion. Mm -hmm. I don't send out contracts unless the homeowner's in front of a computer or email. Yeah. Some people say, oh, just send it. When I get home, I'll, I'll take a look at it, and they never hear from them, right? Right. So They go dark all the time. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's something, I'm like, hey, company policy is we don't send these out unless you're ready. No problem. I don't want to rush this. We move at your pace. What's a good time I can call you back? And let's call me at 6 o'clock. Yeah. We'll call me at 6 o'clock, and, and we get the deal. So um, I have this thing called marination mode. 
Okay. Marination and what? Marination mode. Okay. So this is what I do to make sure people commit to sign contracts once they agree to an offer, right? So let's say Mr. Smith agreed to an offer. Hey, Mr. Smith, um, you know, it looks like, you know, you want 150. I'm not sure if that's a price we can do, but here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna speak with my partner, my boss, my manager, whatever you wanna say. Um, if he gives me the green light, is this something you're ready to move forward with today? Mm. Once they say yes, you put them on hold. People are really quick to jump, especially new investors. They're quick to jump once the offer's accepted, they send the contract. And the thing is, what I've realized in sales and my experience is that sellers will get seller's remorse. They'll be like, man, that was too easy. Maybe I could have got more with an agent. Is Am I doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. But if you create hesitation, you feel uncomfortable, like, man, I don't, I don't know if that's a price we can do, but if, if it is, I got to my partner, but if it is, is this something you're ready to move forward today? Once mm -hmm. they say yes, you put them on hold. In their mind, they're like, I hope he accepts my, accepts my offer. This is going to work out. You're having them talk themselves into why exactly. this is the right thing. They're motivating themselves and hoping you accept the offer, okay? And the thing is, once you get back off of hold, I say, hey, uh, good news, Mr. Smith, this is Steven. Looks like we can do that price, and I start assuming the close. Hmm. The next step is I'm going to email you over an agreement so we can review the agreement together. What's the best email for you, mm -hmm. right? I don't wait till they speak. I assume, because remember, they've already committed to moving forward. They've already accepted the offer. Yeah. They want you to move forward. But once you get back on the phone, you have to assume the close and send them over an email. Get the email. Make sure in front of a computer have access to their email. A lot of people, they really think they need a computer, just a computer. But that's why I say, when's a good time you'll be able to get in front of a computer or access to your email? Because mm -hmm. DocuSign is just a link to a portal you can access anywhere. Oh, I'm on it right now. Okay, great. I sent over the email, upload it to DocuSign send it. I sent over the email, take your time and review the agreement. I'm going to stay on the phone just in case you have any questions. Mm -hmm. Something that I used to do, Steve, is I used to read the contracts to people word for word. And I've noticed they got impatient, try to brush me off. Um, just a variety of things like people can read if they read it on their own. Some of these people that they're so used to DocuSign, you've already built enough trust and rapport, they'll sign it. And it's a done deal. Yeah. Right. So I let her I let them read it on their own. I make sure they accept the offer. I create urgency. Right, I put them on hold, I get back and I assume the close and it gets done very, very well. That's awesome. And that's a really good point, right? Because you got some of those high D personalities that yeah. like, just like, leave me alone. And you'll undo a sell by oh, talking yeah. too much. So I think that's great. Um, and then one thing we were also talking about was you're really excited about negotiations. Mm. What are those things you want to talk about as far as negotiation? What like fires you up? Oh man, you know, it's funny. I don't give offers. I say this all the time. I don't give offers. I give offer ranges. Mm -hmm. So, you know, anybody that's watching the show, when you speak with a homeowner, you're going to get a lot of, oh, I don't know how much I want. You tell me you're the expert. Mm -hmm. That's a lie. Now, homeowners may not know how much they want for their house, but I can promise you they know they're the least they're willing to take. Otherwise, all right. we'd all be locking up deals at 100 bucks. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. Um, the way I love to give offers or offer ranges is I anchor price first. And a lot of people feel uncomfortable about anchor pricing because I don't want to insult the homeowner. Like an anchor price is not your offer. Mm -hmm. It's a way to check how motivated is this person. So let's say for example, ARV is 300, um, your max is 150 and you see a, a property sold for $50,000, mm -hmm. right? Um, hey, Mr. Smith, are you familiar with uh, ABC Street? Yeah, what about it? There's a property here on 123 ABC Street that sold for $50,000. Then you'd be quiet. One of two things are gonna happen. They're either gonna say, F you, that's crazy, you're wasting my time. And if that happens, I say, I'm not saying that's what I'm gonna pay you. I'm mm -hmm. just giving facts of the neighborhood. Yeah. I, I started off really low, right? Or another scenario might say, hey, you're crazy, I'll never do that, I really need 100,000, I won't take a penny less. And you got yourself a, a big juicy deal, right? But the thing is, you have to somehow check on their motivation, because some people, they want an exact offer from you, but you have to start off low. Right. If you start off low, anything above that low number is just gonna be a lot more attractive. Yep. The goal is to get the homeowner to show their cards before you show yours. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I mean, we do, we also love throwing investors under the bus. I mean, we just say that, you know, investors in the area paying between X and Y. Oh yeah. And they're like, oh, it's ridiculous. Like, yeah, I know, those, those guys are scumbags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we would never offer that. Uh, anything else, any other negotiation tips? Um, so off ranges, if they still don't want like if they still don't like your number, mm -hmm. if my max offer is 150, something that I also do religiously when I give offer ranges, 
I said, hey, you know, in order for this to make sense to us, we'd probably have to be between 50 to 140. I always, you know, I try to make a $10,000 on every single deal. Mm -hmm. So if my max offer is 150, I know investors are buying for 160. But the reason I say 140 is because no homeowner I've spoken to says, yeah, I'll take the 50. Done deal. I yeah. wish it was like that, but it's not, <laughs> right? They'll always say, hey, well, if we can do some number closer to that, or maybe they might want more, a little bit more, you're still making that ten to $15,000 in your safety net. So I will right. always give a range where my max offer is five to $10,000 underneath my max. Mm -hmm. At that point, the homeowner's negotiating with themselves. It's creating a win-win situation and they've showed their cards first. Yeah, I love it, love it. All right, so uh, people are loving this nugget. And uh, I guess uh, Derek Torculus, uh, hopefully, hopefully I'm saying his neck <laughs> is correct, is saying that he just sold a house uh, where the seller's name is Mar uh, Stephen Morales. Oh, that's interesting. You know, it's funny, actually. I did a deal a long, long time ago uh, before I even met Carlos mm. where the seller's name is Carlos Reyes. So actually wow. having my cell phone, Carlos Reyes, the guy I bought his, uh, yeah. his house a long time ago, and Carlos E. Reyes. That's fun. <laughs> so I don't wow. get confused. Uh, guys, uh, whatever questions you guys have, you know, please fire away. So you talked about door-to-door -door sales, and we talked about Donnie, Donovan Ruffin, mm -hmm. started in door-to-door -door sales. And we talked about, I forgot, Toxic Tone. Oh, man, don't get me started on Toxic Tone. <laughs> toxic Tone, you watching this. <laughs> He's probably not learning. He's already figured out sales. He's already mastered it. Yeah. <laughs> but you talk about door-to-door -door sales. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how door-to-door -door sales, um, you know, uh, not framed you, but, you know, uh, prepared you for this yeah. industry. You know, it kind of happened all by mistake. Because I saw an ad on Craigslist. Account executive makes six, you know, six figures a year. I just ad. showed up, <laughs> and I'm like, "Hey, I'm selling internet and cable door to door." I hate door to door. I'm like, I'm the type of person that slams the door in these guys' face because I'm not interested. And now I got to apply to be one. At the time, I was like, you know what? Let me just let me just give it a shot. Like, what, yeah. what's, I, I need this to happen. Let me just give it a shot. Door to door taught me a lot. Taught me human psychology. I mean, it, it, it's like the best approach because you're right there in front of the, the customer's face, right? And you really got to sell them on why they got to go with yours instead of um, theirs. And I, I ended up, you know, before that, I did multi level marketing, which was good and then, you know, not so good. But I went door to door and I was actually very good at it. I was always number one. They promoted me to a manager position. I recruited teams, I taught people. And it just taught me a lot of, about, you know, communicating with people, doing takeaways, reading their body language, human psychology, um, not sounding too thirsty and jumping on it if they say yes, you know, mm -hmm. those kinds of things. After Door to Door is when I started a phone sales company. We would cold call high net worth individuals around the country, try to sell them uh, stock information on, you know, real estate, gas, you know, all this stuff like that. And, you know, my door-to-door -door skills kind of transition pretty smoothly onto over the phone. It's a different approach because all they can do is hear you, not see you. Mm -hmm. But I was always number one on that, right? And then when I came across Real Investment Acquisitions, I just, it all worked really well because door-to-door -door is where it all started. And I was really uncomfortable. Like, I was the type of person to slam door in people's face. I don't want to buy it, not interested. So to be on the other side of the coin really taught me a, a lot about the approach it takes to convince somebody. Where are you? I can't read you. Um, I know you're not a C personality. You're not an S. Are you I, D, D, I? Where, um, where are you? I don't know where I am. You don't know your disc profile? I don't know where I am. Ah, uh, okay. I'm just curious just because um, naturally introverted or extroverted? Uh, I don't know. Kind of like a mix. Yeah. Because Donnie's pretty introverted. Yeah. Right? And I'm on the introverted scale. But everyone says like to be a good salesperson, you be extroverted. Not necessarily. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? I think it. I you could be a mix. You can be a mix and still make it happen. You yeah. know, it's just like sometimes, no matter what business you're in or what you're doing, there's gonna be moments where you don't want to do something, but you have to do something to make it work. And when you get yourself out of that comfort zone, like you hear it all the time, comfort and growth don't mix. That's hundred hundred percent true. Mm -hmm. it, like it doesn't mix. But in order to get better at something and perfect your craft, you got to do stuff that you don't like. So right. So how did you get good at sales? I mean, it just get thrown into the fire and, and door to door? Like how did you get? Door to door threw me into the, the fire. And the thing that was tough is that it was straight commission. Like yeah. I, I really had to make it work at that time to pay some bills. And I just figured out, because at that time I was still working the grocery store, right? I was transitioning. But the grocery store taught me a lot of good customer service. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of used my customer service in front of people's faces and they just felt good. And the thing about sales is that, you know, in my 11, almost 12 years of doing sales, 
I will always be upfront, honest, transparent, no matter if it's a customer, a business partner, whoever it is, I will always be the most upfront, transparent, honest person. And sometimes I tell sellers stuff they don't wanna hear. Yeah. Like if somebody says, oh, well, you know, John Smith offered me this much, I'm like, man, if I were you, I would go take that offer, man. You're right. wasting your time with me. Yeah. And I knew in my head, like, this guy's offering too much. That seller actually came back Right. And he felt embarrassed when he called me back, say, hey, this guy didn't close. I'm like, well, in my head, I'm like, he didn't close because he offered too much. Right. Some people lock up a deal just to try and renegotiate the day before closing. Yeah. To me, um, I don't really see, like, unless it's 100% necessary, like, if you're going to lock up a deal just to lock it up in hopes you're going to renegotiate to get lower, I think that's unethical because people are going through a distressed situation. Like, there's times where you might get lower offers anticipated at that time you have to renegotiate. But, um, you know, I, I'm always honest. I will tell sellers, like, if that's a good price, go take it, you know? Yeah. And he actually came back in respect to the fact that I said, hey, I'm not going to make an offer. I know I don't know who these other guys are, but I'm not going to make an offer that I'm, I, can, I can't execute on. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. So far, you go take that. And a uh, quick tip for you and your listeners here. Um, just because somebody says a property's under contract doesn't mean like it's closed, it's funded, right? right? So sometimes you'll follow up a lead to say, oh, we got it under contract, and then the wholesaler's like, oh man, it's dead, dead deal. Hmm. No, what I like to say is, hey, that's great and all. Um, did you get the funded yet? Oh, no, no, we're closing. All right, when? Oh, you know, July 30th. Okay, great, I'll call you the day before and the day of July 30th just to make sure the funds went through. Otherwise, I'd love to help you out. Yeah. And some deals I've actually revived just simply by calling the day before mm -hmm. where the wholesaler backed out or the day of the didn't close and right. I saved a deal. Yeah, I love that. I mean, we like to ask, you know, when you, that's great, that's awesome, when are you guys closing? Mm -hmm. And you'll really test how much they're really yeah. attached to other investors. Because you mm -hmm. might find out, it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go with that guy, but I don't like whatever about his contract or I didn't like this about the guy. It's like, oh, really? And you exactly. find out that there's still an opening. Yep. Very cool. All right. Uh, we got some questions here. Um, uh, Roland Hamilton right now, he's using Deal Machine, PropStream, Bachelet, sending out a bunch of texts. Um, can you drop some gems on how to tweak my process and crush it? That's really a systems question. I don't know if you want to answer any, any systems questions. As far as make, like, systems? Yeah, tweaking um, a system. I mean, I think it's kind of hard to kind of do all of it. I would say the one thing is you, you've got something coming up. You're doing a workshop. That might be something that would be more helpful for him. Oh, yeah. That's right. Um, so July 20th through the 22nd, I'm going to be having a live virtual three-day event. Um, and for those of you guys that see my courses or planning on getting them, the course is included for free. Um, you know, For more information on that, they can go to uh, realadvisors.com slash mastercloser. But it's my first three-day event. Um, only on acquisition, sales, negotiation, that stuff. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I think you guys are crazy for how little you're charging. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how much do you spend on marketing? Uh, man, uh, between five to 10K. Okay. Five to 10K. All right, and yeah. then Michael Sanders does want to know what kind of marketing channels are you using? I love cold calling. I love being proactive in I'm that your approach. sales guy. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, if you can train your cold callers to cold call as if you're cold calling, yeah. and they become really good at it, and they, you recruit more, and then that person teaches the other person, it just works out really good. You know, SMS and cold calling are my favorite ways right now. Awesome. Um, Claudio wants to know, can you talk about your mental approach towards handling daily rejection of business, but staying fresh and motivated mentally? Great question. So to prepare myself mentally, I think of it this way. All right, I'm going to call the seller. The worst they can do is say no, say F off, you're a scam. And I can just, I have the power to hang up the, the call and I move on to the next lead. Um, it was really uncomfortable for me in the beginning to like just, I got a lot of no's. I'm like, is this regular and wholesaling? Are you supposed to get a lot of no's or am I doing something wrong? But you know, as you grow in this business, it's just part of the game. You're gonna get yeah. no's, you're gonna get rejections. Just keep in mind, like the more no's you get, the closer you are to yes. That's the mentality I have when I door to door. And you know, that that's really it. And that really comes from repetition. Yeah. People don't get good on the phones overnight. It takes repetition. You gotta get calloused. Um, you know, like it, I was talking to somebody and they're talking about like, man, we hired this great agent, mm. you know, like they, they, this guy's making $200 a week. And like for me, when I was focusing on strictly traditional, like, man, if I can get someone doing $200 a week, I'm in a good spot. Here in wholesaling, $200 a day, like why aren't you working, right? That's the question, like where are you, <laughs> right? Mm. And so going back to your, your, your answer for Claudio, like you gotta develop callus, mm. right? You gotta develop a standard and it sucks, you're gonna get beat, 
but as you get callous and get better at it then just that rejection is just a part of life comfort right. and growth don't mix exactly you're gonna have to just do those things that feel uncomfortable but it's gonna benefit you at the end of the day yep um so Dari wants to know if somebody wants retail and you refer them to a realtor and get a referral fee is that illegal if i'm not a licensed agent you have to set up properly you know agents are it's funny because when they go to real estate school like they're more taught about the laws than the actual sales process than so, anything really um, it's just the laws just don't do's. Here's a list of don't do's. Yeah. So every, every market's different. I mean, they're getting strict on some laws. It just depends on your market. But I would definitely lean towards a savvy agent in your area to structure that properly. Yeah. So I would say that it is, I think it is illegal throughout the country. However, what you can do is you can have uh, a referral program, right? Like, mm -hmm. look, I'm going to send you some listings, but you're going to send me every opportunity to look at. Mm -hmm. Right. I get first look in everything. So you guys can do that. It's a it's a buddy program, and that'll be completely legal. Um, what happens if the VA gets a seller motivated? Then I step in to negotiate, and I'm inexperienced. What if the seller has a change of heart? So what would you say? You know, like so the VA has called them. Mm. Sounds motivated. You get on, and the seller has a change of heart. What would you do? Well, the first thing I would do is again, I'm a very upfront. So I'm like, hey, um, when you correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Sir, but when you spoke with my assistant, you were interested. What's changed since then? Yeah. You know, and they'll they'll tell you, or they're you know, typically when people like that, they just switch. A couple of things may happen. You want to make sure that you listen to how the cold caller approach that lead to see if it's actually qualified lead. Because sometimes cold callers, you know, they just submit leads just to hit their numbers and stuff. So you want to make sure that you actually have good cold callers asking the right questions. Anybody that I talk to um, has to be interested in selling because I've trained my cold callers to get quality leads i don't want to talk to people they say oh i'm not looking to sell anymore and if they do ask that question say well just a few moments ago you spoke with my assistant what's changed since then mm -hmm. you know and that goes in general you're going to get a lot of leads that um they're interested at first and then you follow up and they're like we don't want to sell anymore mm -hmm. and that typically happens when there's a second person of influence and usually what I like to say with those people is say hey you know when i first spoke with you were interested in selling and now you're not. What's changed since then? A big word I like to use is what's your deciding factor. Mm -hmm. That like every time I use that, they open up. So at first you were looking to sell. Now you're not, Mr. Seller. Um, you know I don't know if anything's changed, but what would be your deciding factor between moving forward or not? Mm -hmm. Is it you know higher price? Is it something you're uncomfortable with throughout the process? You want to figure out what it is. Yeah. I mean, so you're saying like you you've, you dropped that question and like. Yeah, you've gotten like a some lot of objections that I come across. I will always pull up deciding factors somehow, mm -hmm. some way, if necessary, just to uh, it's just a good way of asking the homeowner without sounding too salesy, too pushy. Like, what is it about this that you don't feel comfortable about? Yeah. What would be your deciding factor? Some people say, well, if you give me a higher price, well, guess what? Now we're back into negotiations. I will run some comps, whatever. Or some people might say they got another offer. Some people might say they have an agent. But you want to find out what is it about this person. At first they were interested, now they're not. You throw yeah. that question out, they're more likely to answer it correctly. Gotcha. Uh, Grace Joe says she still slams the door on people. Uh, <laughs> and uh, oh, man. Chris Jefferson, uh, what was it? What does he call himself? LeBron, the LeBron James. Of the LeBron James. Yeah. Says don't yeah. bring out the golden gloves. I already told him, Chris, I'm not fighting him. The golden uh, gloves. He's 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 working out too hard on, on Instagram. Um, <laughs> What That's is your tough man? <laughs> what is your That's why? Tough. My why, you know, your, your why may change. You know, in the beginning, it was because I I just want to have financial freedom. Once you achieve financial freedom, like, you know, now you got to help others reach financial freedom. Not only like the family's taken care of, my son's like family's taken care of all that stuff, and they were they were always my biggest why. My son, uh, my mom, my dad, just my my whole family, but like. One of my biggest whys other than God and my family is helping other people get to where I am now because a lot of people go through tough situations and you know when they're going through those tough situations they be, they can become a victim or they can use that you know situation to fuel them to succeed right so the reason I'm so passionate about education I still have the business running but I also like to educate people exactly what it took me and what worked for me to get where I am today. Like yeah. anything is possible as long as you have a, a, a blueprint. And you know, you get some people that you lay out the blueprint and they spend money, they do everything, but they don't make a single phone call. 
and then they ask, hey man, I've hit a wall, I'm losing faith, what's happened, what's happened, <laughs> right? What have you done? He's like, I, I build relationships with developers and brokers and this and that. I'm like, all right, cool, how many calls have you made? None. And I'm like, well, I can't, you know, as much as I can lay out a whole blueprint for you, I can't do the action for you, so massive action. And if people, you know, take massive action and they listen to somebody that's already, you know, gotten to a place where they wanna be at, it just, um, it's crazy. Like it took me eight months to get my first deal. We have students now that in five weeks they have projected profit 185,000. Like mm -hmm. simply just from following the formula and taking massive action. So I love seeing people start out new regardless of their situation. I always think to myself, what would I tell myself if I first started? Because I didn't have that guidance there the whole time. I, eight months to get a first deal, $7,000 changed my life. but. I can't imagine $185,000 in five weeks what that would do for somebody, right? So yeah. just inspiring people to uh, you know, become financially free and just make an impact on people's lives. You know? I love it, that's, that's, that's phenomenal. And you know, a part of that we kind of said, right? You know, how many dollars you made? This goes back to that I was saying earlier, I might sound kind of like a jerk, but I was, you tell me like, I feel bad calling people. I was like, uh, <laughs> this is probably not for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just gotta be honest. You know, they gotta take the action. They have to make calls. You can't avoid not talking to sellers and become successful in this business. You have to talk yeah. to hundreds of sellers. You're gonna get better at it. Well, that's know? what Brent Daniel says, right? Like at, at the end of the year, exactly. all you can look at is how many meaningful conversations that I have with sellers, because that's the one predictor exactly. above all else. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, I've trained a lot of people and it's crazy to me. Every once in a while, you, you, uh, you deal with people that see what you have. Mm. They sought you out. Like, I want to have what you have. Show me how to do it and you show them and they don't do it. It's crazy to me still that uh, that, that yeah. happens. Um, what is your biggest struggle right now? Man, my biggest struggle is <laughs> I, I get so much opportunity thrown at me that I gotta have the right people in the right seats. Like a lot of people wanna partner up on, on some things and like I'm not just in real estate, I'm also in a few other companies, uh, a drone company, you know, obviously the flips, an ATM company, like more passive income kind of stuff. And um, I just kind of, you know, something that I really struggle with is trusting the wrong people sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of like you said, like, don't get partners, right? But mm -hmm. it's got to be the right person you do business with. But really, you know, vetting, if you're going to go into business with somebody and, um, you know, you got to make sure that they are on the same page as you are and they're willing to work with you or else it's not going to work out. Sometimes I trust people too easy, so I'm a little bit more picky about who's in my circle and I do business with. So Yeah, and that's something that, you know, we've suggested. I, I can't remember, I think going back, I think it's Brent Daniels again. He says, you know, there's nothing wrong with dating for a little bit. Like, you want to partner with somebody, just date for a little bit. Make sure they're the one before you put a ring on it. <laughs> right? It's the same exact swipe concept. Swipe left, swipe right. Is that what he did? Well, because when you partner with somebody, I mean, you're basically marrying somebody. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, this is... You're, you're, yeah. you're putting your finances together. This is basically a marriage at this point. Yeah. Right. So there's nothing wrong with dating for a little bit. JV a couple of deals together, hang out, spend some more time together, do deals together for three months, and then figure out that point mm -hmm. whether you part. Don't partner the moment you find somebody. Exactly. Um, yeah. What's your superpower? Man, my superpower, um, I guess it's just you know closing deals. I mean that's mm -hmm. uh, that's what I'm known this business for is. You know, I have a very systematic approach to just make people commit and sign on the dotted line where it just, it might seem easy for people looking at me doing it live, which now every Friday, I have this thing called Deal Desk where people submit their leads and I, I you know, I get a verbal accepted offer or I set up where they can get it closed. Actually, we got a verbal accepted offer the last call last week and these are just people randomly submitting leads. So it's like closes Olympics again. Kind of, except it's just me. Yeah. Um, and I've done that when I when we used to have live virtual events before the COVID mess. Um, I called anybody out in the audience, say, hey, bring up your podio, your computer, like I'll call this deal. And mm -hmm. they've got like within a few minutes, they've accepted the offer and they're ready to sign. Yeah. And I've been doing it for such a long time where I, like it's just uh, easy for me. But to teach somebody else to do is a little bit more tricky. But that's what I really like to do is teaching other people to get to that point. Well, mm -hmm. and, and the point you made, right? Like it could look easy because that's the same thing. You know, you watch Tiger Woods, like you just go out there and you just swing a club. Like how hard can yeah. it be, right? They make it look so freaking easy, but it's easy to discount all the time you put in, all the rejection phase. Because you said earlier, right? Like you're getting rejected all the time. That's just the way all of life. All the time. And so it's all through all those rejections where you can just get better incrementally, 1% at a time. And then eventually after a few years, you get to this level. Mm -hmm. 
what is the greatest lesson you have learned? The greatest lesson I have learned. Um, I mean, my very first wholesale deal was a huge lesson I learned, right? <laughs> vet, vet people you do business with, and that goes a long way. Uh, because I didn't know who I was assigning my deal to and they started renovating the house, which you think that would never happen, but it did. And it put me in a deep spot. But, um, you know, what really comes down to is, um, you know, in the beginning I was going through tough times in my life and one of the greatest lessons I've learned from that is you can be a victim or it could be a victor, right? You, you can take that, your situation, and turn it to fuel to succeed and you can make it no matter what you're going through. And I, I think in the beginning, I, I didn't have the right people around me, uh, which kind of goes with one of the greatest lessons is like, I was just around the wrong people, mm -hmm. you know? Um, not to say they're bad people, but they rather just go party, go drink, go smoke when I'm trying to build a business. And when I started surrounding myself with like-minded people, like everything changed. And I don't know if anybody else knows this, but in 2015, um, when I started, I saw nothing but like on my Facebook, I saw nothing but, hey, memes, hey, gossip, hey, BS. I'm like, dang, like I deleted that. I was off social media for two years. Actually, 2013 has happened. I was off social media for two years, from 2013, 2015. You won't find anything about me throughout that time. And um, I made a new Facebook and I only added like-minded people, business people, entrepreneurs, real estate. And some people can't do that, but yeah. I was so committed to be so focused and only look at things that I wanted to be like or be in their position or work with them were all, now all my newsfeed is is business, real estate, you know, just good people. And you start getting mutual friend requests from people that know this person. So now like I'm just around the right people. I still have friends that don't do real estate and I don't judge my friends off their bank account. But if I'm gonna be doing business with somebody, you know, I gotta be around the right people. Absolutely. You know? um, Brandon Lewis has an interesting question. So let's pretend you and I were under contract, right? I signed it. I'm happy. It's like, Steven, thank you for taking care of me. All right. Mm. Two days later, hey, Steven, this is Steve. You're over my house or you, you, you know, we're under contract. Um, I need you to increase the price. You need to increase the price. What, what happened? What happened, Mr. Trang? Is, is, I mean, we were at this price. What's changed between then? You know, um, you know I talked to my daughter and she said that I can't sell it for this low. Is there anything in regards to this process that your daughter may have questions about or isn't comfortable with? Or uh, She just says I'm getting ripped off. You're getting ripped off. And, and what makes her think that? I don't know. You don't know? So she what just would told be, me that this just isn't going to work. What would be your deciding factor between moving forward or not on this property? Because we already have a legal binding contract. Technically, we have the rights to purchase a property. But I want to make sure it's a win-win situation. What mm -hmm. would be your deciding factor between moving forward or not? Uh, I guess if you can raise the offer. Raise the offer, huh? Okay, and what what kind of price were you looking at? I think if I can just get five thousand more. Five thousand more. So I mean, I always try to get deals juicy. Um, if they want to increase the price, which usually doesn't happen that much, mm -hmm. the thing is, if somebody ever asks for a price increase, it's because they're shopping your price around. Mm -hmm. that, that, oh, for sure. That that's it. Like, yeah. but the thing is, like, I won't I won't increase the price. Like, you can legally go after somebody. If you have a property in a contract and they want to back out, right, you have the legal rights to purchase the property. I'm not going to take them to court if they're going through personal things or anything like that, but I'm never going to increase the price. Yeah. I'm just going to, you know, stick to my guns and say, hey, we have legal rights to purchase this property. Uh, what is it in regards to this whole process that your daughter or whatever, like what's changed? What would be your deciding factor? Yeah. But I've, I've never really come across somebody that wanted to increase the price. And if they did, I would ask them why, but I would stick to my price, you know? Yeah. Great answer. Okay. Um, what is your favorite, best, or most interesting failure? Um, my favorite, best, or interesting failure. Excuse me. Favorite, best, or interesting failure. I've had a lot of failures. Um, from <laughs> assigning my first deal to the wrong person, um, to partnerships that didn't go well, to, you know, um, you know, when I first started doing the stuff over the phone, I kind of choked. And I didn't know. I sound like a robot when I, you know, people think that this script, any script you use, you're not going to master overnight. Something that I sucked at is I sound like a robot. Like I sound like a robot. And um, let me turn this off. I sounded like a robot. And the thing is that, um, sorry, I sound like a robot. And the thing is people would 
pick up that tonality like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about and I'm like, man, I, I really suck on the phones. Uh, I sound like a robot on the script. But the thing is, the more you practice it, the better you sound. Where the real magic happens is once you memorize it, it sounds like a natural conversation. Yeah, it's internalized. Exactly. It sounds yep. natural. So something I sucked at was just trying uh, too hard to perfect things like the first time. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I think that's great. You can't be, wait for it to be perfect. Yeah. Uh, is there a book you've gifted more than any other? Oh, actually, I love... I got these three books that I just love. And whether you're good at, you know, negotiations, all that stuff, or you're really bad, or you're starting out, these books will benefit you. So number one is um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's like a sales Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, number two is Never Split the Difference with Chris Voss, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that guy was an FBI negotiator. There's, there's some things you can pick up in there that you can use with homeowners, right? And one of my favorite books ever is The Art of Persuasion by Bob Berg. And what I love about that book is it focuses on making win-win situations, right? Like you get what you want out of the situation, but it's a win-win. Yeah. You know, and it, it's really cool when you start using that not only in real estate, but like real life with your kids and stuff like that. So. I'll have to check that out. I haven't <laughs> heard of that one. Uh, Dario Rodriguez wants to know where the odds of him flying to Tampa and then him spending a whole day with you come through uh, you know I'm, I'm a uh, I'm a humble guy if I got if if I got time in my schedule and you're in my seat or, or if I'm in yours I'll, I'll be more than happy to uh, meet up and talk man you're so nice uh, <laughs> all right so I'm gonna make a couple quick announcements just think about one last message I want to leave everybody with sure uh, so um, guys again if you guys want to find out about our productivity I got some of you guys hitting hitting me up like I said you know how do we run all these businesses uh, without going crazy, still spend time with family. Go to disruptors.com slash T-I-M-E. Um, and then our last workshop was a big success. So if you guys want to find out about the next one, uh, go to disruptors.com, D-I-S-R-U-P-T-O-R-S. Uh, from there, you can find out information about our next workshop. So last thoughts. Man, it went by that fast already. That's crazy. Um, last thoughts. You know, if you guys want to um, you know, keep in touch with me, the best way to... Uh, you know, follow me on official Steve Morales on Instagram. I'm having a three-day live event July 20th through the 22nd. Um, you can register for that on realvisors.com forward slash master closer. And a really cool thing is this deal desk thing is going crazy. So you actually have leads you want me to call live every Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Submit them on realvisors.com forward slash deal desk. Awesome. Any message you want to leave everybody with? Something to think about as far as mindset or anything else? Um, if you guys, you know, if you think this is easier, you're not good on the phones, you know, I mainly talked about like negotiation, sales tactics, like be patient with yourself, you know, keep, keep repeating what you're doing. Repetition, repetition, repetition is key. Role play with your uh, family, business partners, your dog. I, I don't care. Just practice, practice, practice. And you'll get a lot better on the phone. And I think, in my opinion, in this business, the trickiest thing is acquisitions marketing mm -hmm. is plug and play selling a deal is easy if it's a deal mm -hmm. but com you know convincing somebody to lock up and sign their contract over to you over the phone requires an art and if you can master that art your business is going to boom it's a valuable skill let me ask you a question before we wrap up mm -hmm. how good were you a salesperson before you got into door-to-door -door sales not good at all so you weren't good you're not the master good. closer you're not that good i was horrible all right so guys <laughs> i used to be an engineer i was not a great closer I think if anyone that watched the Closers Olympics saw us two, like I, like I would argue, Keith, Chris, we're the two best by far. Um, but <laughs> no comment. Um, you know, RJ was a distant third. Um, but if you watch this, right, like we were able to do what we do, and we're not naturally gifted salespeople, right? You got to do it. You yeah. studied. You put in a lot of reps. I studied. I put in a rep. So guys, if you guys are concerned, you're not ner you're nervous, you're not sure whether you can do this. You guys can do it. Absolutely, you can do it. All it takes is the right education. You know, you can learn from Steven. You can learn from me. Mm. And then reps. You can't shortcut. You just can't shortcut that process. You can't do it. And yeah. make sure you get the right education. There's a lot of great education, bad education. I've been doing this for 11 years to a point where I got noticed by a publishing company, Real Advisors, yeah. and I just signed a publishing deal with them in February. Yeah. And uh, now I'm just teaching. You know, I j the thing I love about them, they're you know Inc. 5000 company. I just show up and do my thing. Right. You know, they do all the hard work, extremely hard individuals. Shout out to uh, you know Domar Lee, Francis Bryan, all the guys out there. Um, but Finding the right education is hard nowadays because everybody wants Everybody's to teach it. The thing what I suggest with that is 
check their track record. Yeah. Make sure they're uh, you know active in the business. Check their track record. Make sure that if they're trying to teach you how to close deals over the phone, they're willing to do it live, yeah. on stage or right there in person. So right. you know, make sure you guys have the right guidance. I think that's a good point. So again, you know, the reason why I want Stephen up here because you're a closer, right? And everyone watching this episode, the focus here today was on sales and negotiations. And the message I want to make sure everyone leaves here is: you guys can do it. You absolutely can do it if you invest in yourselves and put in the reps. Thank you guys yeah. for watching. Thank you. This is an awesome show. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah. See, we real estate disruptors. Can't nobody touch us. And yeah, we about to give you game. Shout out to Steve Train. Real estate disruptors. They cannot touch us. And yeah, we about to give you game. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We about to give you game. REI's flowing through my veins. And you don't have to look no further. See right here, you gon' learn everything. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors. See, we real estate disruptors. Can't nobody.